0: The following resource is brought to you by Real Life Community Church in Richmond, Kentucky. We hope you're both challenged and encouraged by this message from Pastor Chris May. Go with me to the book of Luke chapter 1 and we'll stand in just a moment. Oh, I (laughs) tricked you. Both of you, hey. I love that that's the habit. But I'm going to give a little preface to uh, to the message before we read uh, our text today. Again, in in keeping with the theme of joy, uh, we're going to look today, I'm going to take a little break from our series in Matthew, and um, we're going to look at this story uh, that we now refer to as Mary's Magnificat, Mary's song. We're going to look at Mary, who was a woman of great joy. Warren Worsby, in his New Testament commentary, writes this, quote, When it comes to Mary, people tend to go to one of two extremes. They either magnify her so much that Jesus takes second place, or they ignore her and fail to give her the esteem that she deserves. Elizabeth, filled with the Spirit, called her the mother of my Lord, and that's enough reason to honor her, end quote. So I do not believe that Mary is to be worshipped, but I do think we can learn much from this amazing woman of God particularly when it comes to finding joy in the midst of painful circumstances. In Luke chapter 1, the angel Gabriel has visited Mary, delivering the news that she, a virgin, as you know, betrothed to Joseph, will bear a son who will be called the Son of the Most High. And in verse 38, Mary says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. So our focus then will be in verses 46 to 56, the Magnificat, the song of Mary, a song of great joy. So that being said, lead us in our standing. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, let's stand and honor the, the, the word of the Lord. Verse 46, the word of the Lord says this And Mary said, My soul, He has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. This is the word of the Lord and you may be seated. So, through this passage of Scripture, I want us to see mainly how we can experience joy in not just in the Christmas season, but throughout the Christian life, despite or regardless of our circumstances. How can we experience joy as believers in spite of our circumstances? Because there's this old, familiar Christmas song. I love this one. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Right? You know that one? And for many people, maybe for you this year, those words ring true. But I'm also very mindful that for some, this Christmas season seems to kind of accentuate pain, doesn't it? If you've experienced loss or hardship or disappointment or suffering on any level this year... Like, the Christmas season sometimes seems to accentuate that pain. This year, our world has mourned over sickness, disease, shutdowns, job loss, isolation, and most recently, these devastating storms. Where is the joy this Christmas? Well, Christmas joy, I think it's important to point out, is not necessarily being chipper and bubbly. Christian joy is not that way. doesn't mean that you have to go around, you know, smiling and, and just being bubbly all of the time. It's deeper than that. It's, uh, Christian joy is this inner contentment and satisfaction because we trust God no matter our circumstances. We know that He's working in us. He's working through us to bring about His good purposes. And so in the spite of... listen. There is nothing wrong with Christian lament. We need to learn that. Sometimes we, think it's, sometimes we think it's unspiritual to lament. And you just go through some devastating circumstance and you come into church and you're like, Oh yeah, I'm fine because Jesus is on the throne. It's like, okay, yes, Jesus is on the throne and you've got this deep, you're still content and you still have this trust. But you should be sad. You should lament. That's okay. You can have joy in the midst of pain and lament. So as I read our text today, I don't know about you, but I am struck by Mary's joy, even though her life is certainly not perfect. And you say, well, uh, of course, Pastor, she's joyful. She's going to have a baby, right? Well, fair enough, but this would have been bittersweet news because you know the story. It would be an honor to be used by God in such a way. But remember, she's going to have to explain this to her family and friends. She's not yet married, right? And this is the first century, all right? This isn't 21st century Western culture. Like, people would assume she's been involved in premarital sex, she's had sex outside of marriage, and that she's now pregnant, This would have brought great shame upon her family. And you can imagine explaining this to your parents. Well, well, Mom, we didn't do anything, Joseph and me. Listen, it's the Holy Spirit. It's like, yeah, right. (laughs) So, at first glance, it seems, well, yeah, this is an amazing, amazing honor, and it is. But then you have to also understand the way that her culture would look at her. As she tries to explain, well, this is not Joseph's. this is of the Holy Spirit. So why so joyful in the midst of all of this? I see at least three characteristics in Mary's life that surely contribute to her joy. And I think these are traits that you and I can emulate. If we are to experience the joy of this wonderful season and the joy of the Christian life, I think we must emulate these characteristics. And number one is this. If we're going to experience Christian joy and Christmas joy, we must have obedience To God, we must obey the Lord. Look with me at verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. The angel then departed from her. Imagine the questions Mary must have had. It's like, How is this going to work out, Lord? How are people going to know that I'm telling the truth? Like, how's this baby going to be provided for? This is not an aristocratic family. This is a poor Jewish family. Lord, I'm a young teenager. I have dreams. Like, what's this going to do to my life? She just has this amazing trust in the Lord and the desire to obey Him. Lord, let it be to me according to your word. You know, there's great joy when we obey the Lord, isn't there? John 15, verse 9, Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, so I've loved you. And He says, Abide in love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Now watch this. So He's saying, You want to remain in God's love? Obey His commandments. Then he says, these things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Think about this. Think about your children, if you have them, or or think about your own life growing up. Have you ever said to a child, like, son, your life would be so much better if you only did what? Listened, if you only obeyed. And that's the truth. Children in here, teenagers in here, listen up. And parents said, Amen, right? Well, the same goes for us. We would do well to listen to our own advice. We would have so much more joy if we would simply obey the Lord. James 4 17 says this Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it's a sin. Sin is disobedience to the Lord. Disobedience to the Lord is sin. But not only is disobedience sin, but you know what disobedience does? It reveals a lack of trust in the Lord. When you disobey God, when I disobey God, here's what we're saying Lord, I know what's best for me. Because if we're honest, don't we all want the best for ourselves? So if we go against God's word, what are we implying? Lord, I know what your word says, but I think I know my life a little better than you do. I'm going to go my way because that's what's going to satisfy my heart. Now, let me ask some seasoned Christians, does that ever work? Absolutely not. I love Mary's willingness to submit to the Lord, to obey. And You know, I, I often look at Christians who look saved and mad about it. You know the type? And people say, well, I don't know why people are so joyful. Like, I just can't. I'm a Christian, and I just don't experience it. Well, often, you know what one of the, the main sins that will rob you of your joy is? It's the sin of unforgiveness. Some of you, perhaps, today have a, a, something you're holding against your, your brother or sister in Christ or somebody outside, and you've not spoken to them about it, and you, you've not done what Matthew 18 says, to leave your gift at the altar, go to your brother, and so on and so forth. And then you wonder why you don't have joy. Because bitterness is eating you alive. Or some other sin. Some other sin. You've got something you know is wrong and you are doing it anyways. And then you wonder why do I not have joy? So the only way we can have joy is to obey God. Number two, let me remember the hymn trust and obey, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Number two, maintain an accurate view of God. So how do we experience Christian joy? Number one, through obedience. Number two is by maintaining an accurate view of God. You know that you are joyful when you burst into song. Some of you married folks, you remember the first time, uh, you know, you went on a date with your now spouse? You probably went away whistling, singing, humming something. Like, she said, yes, she's going on a date with me. She went on a date with me. This is wonderful. You know, growing up, my my mother uh, is here. Um, I would get in trouble sometimes because I would always sing at the table. And hum. Remember, Mom, I would hum at the table. Well, that's for a good reason. I shouldn't have gotten in trouble because I hummed and sang because my mama's food was so good. How many have a mama that can cook like that, right? Come on, somebody. <laughs> so, listen, when we're joyful, we just tend to sing, burst into song. And this is precisely what happens to Mary. When visiting her relative Elizabeth, she becomes so overwhelmed with joy, uh, and she considers the goodness of God, and she just begins to sing. And I'm convinced uh, her song is so joyful because she has an accurate view of who God is. And I know that when we, you and I, get an accurate view of God, when we consider His goodness, friends, we cannot help but sing. I don't care if you're a professional singer. I don't care if you can carry a tune in the bucket. Listen, if you get a, a, just a, a, a glimpse of who Jesus is, you will sing. You can't stand here while the praise team is leading and with your hands in your pocket and just doing something else. No, you will sing. That's how wonderful God is. Let's just unpack the song for a moment Number one, uh, Mary's song is God-centered. Her aim is to magnify the Lord, not herself. So much of even Christian music today is about us. It's not about God. Right? But singing should be aimed, it should be God-centered. God-centered, not us-centered. Look at verse 46. My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit, verse 47, rejoices in God, my Savior. Friends, the song, Mary's joy, is very God-centered. Second Timothy three, 2 Timothy 3.2 says that in the last days, people will be lovers of themselves. And friends, this has even crept into the church. It's the days in which we're living. Let's consider Mary's understanding of who God is. Number one, she sees God as omnipotent, all-powerful. Verse 49, for he who is mighty has done great things for me. He who is mighty has done great things for me. Mary sees God as all-powerful. He who is mighty. Number two, she sees him as holy. She says, verse 49, holy is his name. Mary knows that God is perfect. That he is holy. He is, to be holy means to be set apart. Mary knows that God is set apart, but not set apart uh, in, in the way that a table is set apart from a chair. But God is above us, beyond us. He, is, he transcends us. He is holy. Number three, Mary sees God as merciful. Has He been merciful to anybody? Verse 50, His mercy is for those who fear Him. I love Psalm 103:10 He has not dealt with me according to my sins actually he has not dealt with us according to our sins can somebody say amen to that nor has he punished us according to our iniquities for the heavens are high above as the heavens are high above the earth so great is his mercy towards those who fear him this isn't reason to sing friends i don't know what is Mary sees God as merciful. Number four, Mary sees God as a rescuer. Verse 52, He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has set away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Mary sees God as the rescuer of her, the rescuer of Israel. Are you grateful that He's a Redeemer, that He's a Rescuer? And friends, if we would keep an accurate view of God in our hearts, uh, an accurate view of God in our hearts, we would be overflowing with joy. Amen. Not only that, so what's Mary do? How does she have so much joy? She's obedient to God. She has an accurate view of God. But number three, this is important. Mary maintains an accurate view of self. You and I, if we're going to have joy, must not just see God for who He truly is, but we must have a a good idea of who we are as well. You know, so many people come to God not because they necessarily want Him, but they're just looking for help. There are certain parts of their lives they don't want the Lord to touch. It's like, Lord, here, I want help in my relationship or or my finances or this, but just kind of leave this part alone, right? Leave, don't, don't butt into this part of my life. And essentially, these people try to attempt to use the Lord to kind of get them out of a mess. Help me accomplish this task. Fix this relationship. They're looking for God to become their servant. God becomes like a vending machine, right? If I say the right prayer, give the right amount, then God's going to give me what I want. He's like a cosmic bellhop. It's interesting, though, that Mary does not see herself as somebody deserving of God's mercy, of His favor, of His goodness. She sees herself as what? A servant. Mary's not asking God to serve her. She is humble, and she desires to serve the Lord. Look at verse 38. Mary said, Behold, I am a The servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. Verse 48, he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. Hmm. Mary doesn't have a high view of self. She doesn't uh, put her nose in the air and say, Well, God has chosen me because I am this, and I am this, and I am so high and mighty, and so God has seen what a gift to the earth I am, and he has chosen to use me in this wonderful way. No, she says this. The Lord has looked on the humble estate of his servant. Listen, I hope I always keep that posture as a pastor. I promise you, God has not used me because I'm somehow prestigious or because I'm super hyper intelligent or. Because I've always been, you know, very, very godly. As a matter of fact, if you were to go talk to my youth pastor, I would have been uh, voted least likely to be in ministry, in, like in my high school years. I mean, seriously. Some people here, like you know, I reconnect with people from youth group, and it's like, what do you do now? It's like, well, I'm a pastor, and they try not to look surprised. <laughs> there you go. So we must remember. Uh, listen, God uses us. Uh, y- y- what, what an honor it is to be used of the Lord, right? Do you know what the Bible teaches? Does the Lord need us? Absolutely not. Acts 17, and then you go to the book of Psalms. What does the book of Psalms say? You, you, know, the, you know the verse that says, He owns the cattle, God owns the cattle of a thousand hill. And, and we love that part, but the next part says, or, I can't remember if it's the verse preceding that or, or right after that, but the Lord says this to, to Israel, if I was hungry, I wouldn't ask you. <laughs> no, the, the Lord doesn't use us because there's no other way He could work. The, the, the Bible is so, so clear. Uh, you can go to the book of Acts and you can see the Lord is in need of Nothing. He is all-powerful. He is self-sufficient. But He chooses to use us. And friends, that ought to humble us. And if you think, oh, God needs me, God needs me, you will become arrogant and you will become prideful. But when you understand, He doesn't need me, but He's willing to use me because He wants a relationship with me. He wants to bless me. Oh, how humbling that is. We are, it is a joy to be used by the Lord in this capacity. Mary sees herself as a servant, but not only this, and this is interesting. Mary sees herself in need of a Savior, in need of a Savior. Verse 46, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. Watch this. And my spirit has rejoiced in God, my what? Savior. Savior. Mary sees herself as someone who is imperfect, in need of a Savior, just like you, just like me. A non-sinner? Would, would a non-sinner need a Savior? No. This refutes, refutes the doctrine of immaculate conception that the Catholics hold to, right? Some believe that Mary was exempt from the stain of sin, but... The Bible in no way makes room for this. It clearly says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Mary is chosen. Yes, she has uh, certainly expressed a desire to serve God and to obey God, but she is chosen by unmerited favor. And she's joyful because she maintains this accurate view of God and an accurate view of self. Tim Keller tells the story of a lady who had uh, this profound impact on his life back in the 70s when she spoke at a camp in Colorado. I want you to listen to what she says. She says, if the distance between the earth and the sun, 92 million miles, was reduced to the thickness of a sheet of paper, then the distance between the earth and the nearest star would be a stack of paper 70 feet high. And the diameter of the galaxy would be a stack of paper 310 miles high. That's how big the galaxy is. Yet, the galaxy is nothing but a speck of dust virtually in the whole universe. The Bible says that Jesus Christ holds the universe together with the word of His power or the power of His word. And then she asked, is this the kind of person you asked to, be in your life, to come into your life to be your assistant? Think of that. Accurate view of God, accurate view of self. When, when you get an idea of who God is, who spoke all of this into existence, is that someone whom you ask into your life to go, Lord, could you just come help me out? Like, could you, could you, I'll, I'll tell you what needs to be done, and you just, if you just bless me in this way and this way, Lord, we, we'll work this out together. no. When you get a glimpse of who Jesus is, here's the response. Lord, I know nothing. (laughs) I am nothing without you. I bow down at your feet and I submit to your lordship. Let it be to me according to your word. Part of the reason we don't experience joy even as Christians is because we too often have this low view of God. It's so common today. And we have a very high view of self. I think it's important that we put those things in perspective again. But I don't want you to leave and kind of disheartened going, well, I'm just this nothing, nobody, you know. No, apart from Christ, we're nothing. But with Christ, everything changes. And that's the foundation of our joy. So I read this last Advent, and many of you responded to it um, Matter of fact, at the bottom of your notes, you'll find the blog where I, where I posted this list. It's not something I came up with. I don't know who did, but I've used it for years. Um, the Bible gives those who are in Christ great reason for joy despite circumstances. And so I pray this morning as I read this list of reasons that we should be joyful that joy would certainly arise from our midst. These statements that I'm about to share with you come from the Bible directly, all right? You ready for this? I expect you to be smiling and, and shouting and dancing by the time I'm done with this, all right? Here's why we can have joy despite our circumstances. This is true for each and every one of us in Christ. My salvation is fully accomplished, John 19.30. I passed from death into life, John 5.24. I've been quickened by God. I've been made fit for heaven. I have the forgiveness of sins. I'm made nigh by the blood of Christ. I'm redeemed through his blood. I've been delivered from the power of darkness. I've been delivered from the wrath to come. I'm a child of God. I'm a son of God or daughter of God. I belong to Jesus Christ. I'm an heir of God and joint heir with Christ. I possess all things. I'm a new creature in Christ. I've been renewed by the Holy Ghost. I'm accepted and highly favored in the Beloved. I am light in the world. I dwell in Christ. Christ dwells in me. My body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. I have an anointing, an unction from the Holy One, 1 John 2, 20 and 27. I've been called with a holy calling. I am chosen in Christ. I am complete in Christ. I'm beloved of God. I'm a child of promise. I'm a sheep in His flock. I'm a member in His body. I am a stone in His building. I'm a branch in His vine. I'm a child in His kingdom. I was identified with Christ in His death. And I was identified with Christ in His resurrection. I can walk in the newness of life, Romans 6, 4. I can serve in newness of spirit, Romans 7, 6. I can live unto righteousness. I'm identified with Christ and His suffering. I'm being perfected. I'm not of this world, though I'm in the world. I am sanctified in Christ Jesus. I am holy because He is holy. I'm clothed in His righteousness. I'm faultless in Christ. I'm perfected forever. I am not my own. I am a citizen of heaven. Christ has made me free, free indeed. I am free from sin. I have a sound mind. Christ has given me an understanding. I have the righteousness of Christ. I have sufficiency in all things. I have all things that pertain to life and godliness. I have all the armor and weapons I need. I have God's all-sufficient grace. I have grace to help in time of need. I have God's power, I have access to the Father, I have a great high priest, I have, I have an unfailing intercessor, I have a righteous advocate with the Father for the times when I sin, I have peace with God, I have rest for my soul, I'm led by the Spirit of God, I'm enabled during trials and temptations, I'm given assurance by the Spirit, I'm given comfort by God, I'm not distressed, I'm not in despair, I'm not forsaken, I'm not in darkness, God is my sufficiency, God is my strength. God is my helper. I belong to a sovereign God who works all things together for my good. My God is for me. My every need is supplied. I'm His workmanship. I'm sealed by the power of God. I'm kept by the power of God. I'm more than a conqueror, a super conqueror. I have victory through Christ. I've overcome the world. Satan cannot touch me. I have a living hope. I have a glorious future. I've been given eternal encouragement and good hope through grace. I'll sit with Christ in His throne and I will be with my God forever. Hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah. Hallelujah. I have lasting joy in Christ. John 15:11. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you, says Jesus, and that your joy may be full. May we go in the fullness of Christ, filled with joy today. Amen. Stand with me, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your joy. We thank you because our joy that we get to experience has come at great price. There's no true joy apart from Jesus, but through Christ, joy can overflow. And so, Father, we today want to be filled with that joy. And the interesting thing is there's nothing else that has to be done on your end to give us that joy. It's available. All we have to do is obey, to trust you. We have to keep an accurate view of you in our hearts. We must remember that we are who we are only by the grace of God. We must keep an accurate view of self. Teach us today to be joy-filled people. There's a dark world that's hurting people who are hurting May we take the joy of the Lord through them, through the proclamation of the gospel, through the meeting of their physical needs. May they see our good works and give you glory. We pray it in Jesus' good name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to know more about how you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ, or if you have questions about our church, you can email us at info at